You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Johnson. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Desperate Housewives After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424 424- 256-1729. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Desperate Housewives After Show. Hey, everybody. How you doing? I'm Derek Shore in the studio. We've got Foxy Roxy Stryer on the phone. Hey, Roxy. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Derek? I'm good. It's so nice to hear your voice. I'm sorry we're not here together, but uh, maybe maybe one day you'll be back in the studio with me, huh? Maybe one day. I know. I'm, I'm kind of blowing it on the schedule recently, and we're just not matching up. It's, it's bad. I, I feel like we're desperate co-hosts. You know what? It happens. It totally happens. And the important thing is we always get the podcast up uh, as quickly as we can, even if you and I can't be in the studio together. Uh, we, of course, are, appreciate all the fans who who uh, who are listening or watching, and we always appreciate your feedback and comments. This week we're talking about Desperate Housewives, Episode 15, Season 8, the final season of this series. And, man, you know, I, I had one of those moments this week, Roxy, where mid week I was thinking about the show and suddenly everything kind of clicked for me and I realized that Orson killed Chuck how did I not realize that when the last episode aired it was so obvious I said it in predictions a couple weeks ago when we see him outside of the bar and he finally uh, picks up Bree and kind of when Bree was in danger of getting brought home with that guy and raped and comes there I was like oh Orson killed them and you were like no, too obvious. And it was a little obvious, but yeah, I don't. I, I, I stopped coming a mile away. I don't know why I didn't take those clues, but you hit the nail on the head. You are absolutely right, and it's interesting how Orson's character. I've always sort of felt bad for the guy because he is a little bit awkward. His character is a little bit awkward, and he just seems sort of sad and lonely. But this sinister side that we really saw come out in this week's show episode, man, Bree has has tangled with with a really messed up dude, huh? Yeah, and you know what? I, I could tell by the diagrams he had in his apartment and how scheming he was that I could I could tell there was something up, but not to the extent that we realize in tonight's episode. And I'm still a little confused, to be honest, about what happens exactly, what he does at the end there. Yeah, what he does after he dropped the letter in the mailbox. Well, what, what exactly was the letter is my question, because it was to the Fairview Police Department. Right. So was it outing Bree? And it said, like, regarding suicide or something. Was it... 
about three or was it about what he was about to do to himself or I, I couldn't really tell what was going on. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I, I think it's fair to say, though, when you're saying was it about Bree, I think it's fair to say Bree was definitely whatever evidence or whatever was in that letter mailed off to the Fairview Police Department. There is certainly some connection to Bree, whether he's going to commit suicide and fake it as if it were murder or whether he is going to compile his own evidence from investigating the case. I mean, that diagram he had in his apartment was very elaborate, having having the picture of the deceased guy and having those surreptitious photos of the women loading the body into the trunk of the car. That was – Orson had done his research very thoroughly. Right, so he's about to throw Brie under the bus regardless. Yeah. Well, and that tease really kind of freaked me out because right at the end of the episode where we see that close up shot of Orson on his phone calling Bree and saying, this will be the last time you hear from me. I was expecting that they were going to cut to a wide shot and he was going to be on the end of some cliff about to to drive his wheelchair off the cliff. Was I the only one thinking that? No, I absolutely thought that's what it was going to be, which is why I was confused when he dropped off the letter right and was just in a you know next to a community center with all of these people around right exactly well that was such a sinister a sinister plot line and what surprised me is brie obviously we know that by the end of the episode she had put everything together because the writing was on the wall but she's a smart woman her character and it seemed like there were so many times she could have questioned Orson's loyalty to her, including in the beginning of this episode where they're sitting together on the couch. Orson presents her with this little picture book of Maine, and she's looking through at the lighthouse and all of this. And Orson mentioned the letters that Bree had received. And that was a perfect opportunity for Bree to question what he's saying, to question his motives. And there was that moment, that moment where we knew she was kind of questioning at him, questioning him. The music changed, and she said, wait a minute, I didn't tell you about that last letter I received. Orson looked right. Al- yeah, Right, but I think that, of course, she's a little bit in denial, and when he comes up with the excuse so quickly on the spot that Lynette had told him, yeah. uh, I think that she was just like, Oh, okay, that makes sense. Lynette, what a bitch, even though, of course, Lynette did not. Right, and then he quickly distracts her by having her focus her attention on the picture book again, and he's talking about this trip to Maine and all of that. So, But it, it seemed like that happened quite a few times, even in the last episode, where there were these moments where things didn't quite add up, and Bree paused, but then you're right. She gave him the benefit of the doubt because he has a skill of being able to lie and create these stories on the spot. Exactly, exactly. What do you think about the similarities between Orson's character and Chuck's character, Chuck now being dead? It's It seems like the two of them, Chuck wanted to bring Bree down because she rejected his marriage proposal. And after that, it was game on and he was going to take her down. And I think it's interesting how Orson really is doing the same thing. He feels jilted. And he wants to make Bree's life miserable. I mean, did you think that they were going to Maine to retire and be happy? Or did you think that they were going to go off to Maine and he was going to kill her? Well, here's the thing. I I don't understand why Bree always has to find Mr. Wrong. Uh, I didn't know exactly what was going to go on in Maine. I thought that they, I I knew that it wasn't going to end happy, but 
I didn't know if he was really looking to seek revenge or if he really wanted to be with her or what was going on there. Um, but we, of course, never make it there. And I've got to say, I kind of am bothered. I think it's an interesting storyline, but I'm kind of bothered by the fact that Brie is such a one... I think she's a wonderful person, and we do see she has some major downfalls, but why she can't find a guy who can be a strong guy, but a good guy. Yeah. But don't you know people like that in real life, people who just always seem to fall for the wrong guy or girl? I do, and as realistic as I think this is, it's sad to me because she's been with so many guys and she's always trying and always looking for love, as opposed to, I feel like, some other women who are more close to it I feel like she really does work hard and tries to keep herself open. She does. I mean, and and looking at the broader picture, she is such a great catch because her house is always spotless. She's totally organized. She's a fantastic chef. We know she's wild in the bedroom based on various storylines we've seen this season alone and last season with Brian Austin Green's character. So, yeah, she has a lot to offer, and I am surprised that she has has not found the right man. But if she did... Roxy, that would just be boring. That would be bad TV. We can't have her find a good guy. What are they going to do? Sit together and have a nice conversation about politics and the community garden? No way. No, it's not that. It's just the fact that now we see that Susan and Mike are perfect, but other than them, I guess Gabby Gabby is doing well with Carlos. Yeah. But Lynette and Tom are a mess right now, and I, I don't know. It just seems like... We need a little bit more perfect somewhere. And even if the relationship is messy, it's still a good relationship. It doesn't have to be perfect to make it good, you know? I get you. So you're saying you want a little more stability on Wisteria Lane. Well, I want a little more Brian Austin Green, who <laughs> I thought worked really well. Of oh, my gosh. I, I, totally, I totally regret mentioning his name again. I feel like I know, you <laughs> collectively, how many hours have we spent talking about Brian Austin Green? Not enough. Not enough. You know but what? Remember, it, there's that whole storyline with him being with child and that other woman, and Bree lied about the whole situation, and so that was Bree's fault. But, you know, somebody like that who's a little different and a little edgy and can make Bree awesome. I don't know. Well, it's interesting that uh, to go back to a little bit about Chuck and Orson, they both had this attitude of. If I can't have you, no one can. Or if I can't have you, I'm going to make your life miserable. Because Chuck wanted to make Bree's life miserable. And he was building a case against her, even though no charges had been filed. But in the meantime, he definitely did a great job of intimidating her, intimidating her friends. And Orson is doing... The same thing, but in a different way. He's trying to turn Brie against her friends and elevate himself by saying, I'm the only one in your life who's not judging you. I'm the only one in your life who's not going to be there. But then at a moment's notice, he does a 180 once he realizes. she. When she says to him, when she walks out of the apartment, he says, you're everything to me. And she says, well, you're nothing to me. And I love I love Marsha Cross's sultry voice. You're nothing to me. And I, I never know. want I to know. see you again. She gets that deep voice. I think that was the moment where he said, okay, fine. I am going to make your life hell. However, Yeah, that- I, I agree with that completely. I think that was his moment where he thought that. 
I think it was probably her moment when she thought, wow, I have lost all of my friends and it was for reasons that were basically my fault and I need to go get them back. I think it kind of all clicked with her at that moment. So these two realizations of both of them are kind of going to go against each other and going to make things really difficult for Brie yeah. moving forward. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? I A couple weeks ago, I was in Park City. I went skiing for the weekend, and I was hanging out with a guy whose partner is a writer on Desperate Housewives, and I can't say too much. There, I mean, we had a really fantastic conversation, and I would love to book this guy to come in and be a guest on our show because he gave me a little bit of insight about what happens in the writer's room. And what goes on, and and we can talk about that at some point, but in, in the meantime, the reason I brought this up is because he said, do not be surprised if we see Bree's son, Andrew, come back into the picture at some point over these last final seven episodes I think we have left. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and it's we've we've talked often about how these storylines go up and down and left and right and change so drastically immediately. But there are characters like that, like Bree's son, Bree's daughter, people we haven't seen on the lane for a while who used to be really, really central characters and storylines revolved around them some episodes. And, you know, we're running out of time with this show. We only have a few episodes left, so it'll be interesting to see which characters they decide to bring back and and how featured those characters are. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. And like you're saying, we're running out of time, and I'm feeling a little panicked about if they're going to be able to wrap this all up in a way that is uh, that I find acceptable. <laughs> you, you know what? I feel exactly the same way. And this, which is why the storyline with Karen dying of cancer and Roy, oh my gosh, I never thought that I would be tearing up because of... Karen McCluskey's character. I know, I know. She's she's such a hard character to love, but yeah. at the same time, we do, and she's really been around this entire time. And I don't know, this was really heartbreaking to me, especially because of how selfless she was being. Yeah. And, and tying Gabby into this and the whole issue of mortality. I just thought it was really beautifully done. Yeah, it was really beautifully done. And and not only did we see a softer side of Karen, but we also saw a softer side of Gabby because that whole exchange with Gabby and Roy when she asked him about his first wife, Miriam, I think was her name, and they yeah. had that moment together in the kitchen Oh my gosh! Well, she, just just the look on Gabby's face while she was making that salad in the kitchen—that is not the Gabby we're accustomed to seeing. Right, absolutely not. And then what she does for Carlos later on, and how she describes to him how she's feeling—I uh, yeah—I just thought this entire bit was very different for Dustin Housewives, especially for Gabby. And uh, yeah, like I'm saying, well done. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I immediately loved about this show back during season one was the fact that it was relatable. And I think no matter where you live, you don't have to be white. You don't have to be living in an upscale neighborhood in a beautiful community somewhere. I think that there are so many characters that are relatable, but also themes and trials that people experience in life that are relatable. We all know what it's like to lose a loved one. 
and we all know what it's like to to be in a relationship that doesn't work out or maybe we've watched our parents be in a relationship that doesn't work out there are so many things that the show i think week after week is able to to just sort of hit home and i think this week's episode really hit a hit, hit a home run because all of these issues of mortality like you said roxy they're they're coming full circle and just that reminder at the end of the show of Roy talking about Miriam and how they got lazy in their relationship. They weren't reminding each other that they loved uh, each other every single day. I think that's that's a great message that these writers have have woven into the show, along with all of the playful comedic moments. Right, I agree. I thought that uh, this did a really this entire season. I saw have been really incredible and a huge step up from the past couple seasons. Me too. Um, and and a major reason for that is these universal issues that, like you're saying, are incredibly relatable. And even though I'm saying this season has been great, I thought in particular tonight or last night's episode, sorry, last night, it was unbelievable. I really, I, I should have said that at the top of the show, but I really just thought every character had a really important story going on that didn't seem over the top, that didn't seem forced. Uh, that, that didn't seem out of the blue, like, oh, I don't believe that. It, they seemed important, and they seemed like they're really taking us somewhere. But it, that being said, of course, I am still worried that we'll get there quick enough. Yeah, well... But I have faith. I do have faith. But look how much they pack into even one episode. And we still have six episodes plus the two-hour series finale. So I I don't know how they're going to do it, but but I think they will do it. Let's talk a little bit about Renee and Ben and that storyline. Because this, honestly, this freaks me out. I don't like the Lone Shark Mafia dude. Freaks me out. And I don't like the fact that... Renee, like she said, I try to do something nice for someone, and this is how I'm repaid. She's roped into this drama, and, you know, I'm a little worried, because we've heard rumors about a main character being killed off, right? We've discussed this. Right, and talking about people who come from, you don't have to be white, you don't have to be rich, people who come from different backgrounds, and Renee is one of them. And she's on this lane now, and yes, she is now rich, and yes, she does now have class, but she wasn't always coming from a place like this, so she thinks she can hang with the shark, and she thinks she can threaten him, and we see this clearly not the case. Um, and it does make me very nervous, not just for Renee, but also for Mike. Yeah. Um, and that would just be the worst. Yeah, it's... I, killing him off would be like killing a part of my soul. <laughs> but, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if with only a few episodes to go, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, why don't we kill off a key player? Because ratings-wise, why not go out with a bang? Why not build buzz around the show because all these dramatic things are happening? But of course, we don't want these people we like to get killed. But sadly, at the end of these series, you don't often see everything wrapped up nicely in a little packaged uh, bow thing and, and handed off to us. It's true, but here's why I could see them killing Renee off before killing Mike off. Like I said before, Mike and Susan have a very strong relationship. The only one that is really, really steady on the lane. I mean, Gabby and Carlos aside, they have their own issues. In last night's episode, they were okay. But Susan and Mike seem to be pretty stable. They've 
thrown him through the ringer. They've had him move away out of the country. Right. Um, they've, done, they've done all this stuff to them. Um, oh, excuse me, out of the state. Where did he go? Alaska? Alaska. Yes, out of the state. And they've, they've done all this to them. And I, I just can't see Mike getting hurt for something that was done that had nothing to do with him and that he was picking up for somebody. I just don't know if they're going to go there because of the ties he has. Um, and also, what that would do would leave Susan as uh, a by herself and now dealing with this child. So exactly the same situation she was in before, basically being a single parent. It would be a messy storyline, but I wouldn't be entirely shocked if that if that was a possibility. Yikes, I don't know. And, and as far as Renee goes, uh, I really don't know. I, I just think that she would be an easier target. It would be um, easier to kill her character off, for sure. Right. For sure. Right. But would, he, but would the shark kill a woman? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Well, she. I've got to hand it to her for being the badass that she was, because I loved the way she dealt with him when she said, when she essentially said, you don't intimidate me. I'm done with you. I've written this check. And, ooh, the guy is just so creepy. It's, he is so, such a slime bag. And so I really applauded her for giving him the, you know, the one-two punch. But then at the same time, it's probably not the best idea to mouth off to the mafia. That's true. And then we see the result of that as he tears apart her home. Right. Yeah, he's definitely trying his best to intimidate her. It's It did not end well. Clearly, there was that uh, scuffle, more than a scuffle. That's not even a good word for it. Between between Lone Shark and Mike, they right. beat each and other Mike up. Says, Mike says, I never want to see you again. And Lone Shark says, oh, then you should have killed me. Right. Right. I mean, that's some foreshadowing right there of, is that a death threat back on Mike from Mr. Mafia? Yeah. I don't know. It's possible. It's possible. I hope not. I, I I hate that there needs to be more death on the lane. That there seems to be a lot of it. But you know, in the in the tease for next week's episode, we saw that Mike is now carrying a handgun. So clearly, Mike is going to be arming himself to try to protect his family from this dude who's showing up. Do you th- right. do you think that Bree would become suicidal again? Let's let's say hypothetically. Let's say. Orson mails to the Fairview Police Department a whole bunch of evidence that implicates Bree. Do you think that the pressure mounts to her for her again and that she becomes suicidal? Or do you think the fact that we're on the brink of a huge reunion between Bree and the women, do you think that is going to be enough to get her through the drama? I think it's one or the other. I don't know what Orson mailed in, so we'll see what happens there. I'm wondering if uh, if Karen McCluskey's death will be the death that they're talking about on the lane, if that is enough of a major character, or if there's going to be two deaths, I, I guess. Um, would Brie become suicidal again? I feel like she, she Renee is going to not let that happen. We saw Renee kind of nurse her back to sanity. Um, so, no, I'm going to go with no. I'm going to go with reunion time okay i think you're right i just think hypothetically it it would be it would be big and dramatic but i think that the whole theme of this show we already saw mary alice kill herself in the pilot episode of this series in season one and i think if this whole series ends and we see another one of these women kill themselves 
that's just bad messaging for America. That's bad. Yeah, <laughs> no lesson learned. Right. We don't want we don't want housewives to be killing themselves because pressures of life catch up to them. So I am I am betting that we see this series go out with a few more tragedies along the way, but with these four women, and if you add Renee along to the mix, I think if you add them all together, we're going to see a strong friendship, I hope, by the time this thing wraps up. Right. I agree. Can we talk a little bit about Lynette and Susan? This was, I'm so glad that we had this storyline in this episode because... I needed a bit of comedy. I needed something a little bit lighter. And uh, while this is a very serious issue when we're talking about babies and adoption and a single grandmother, and uh, the whole thing, there are a lot of touchy issues, but, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad they made me laugh. I, I agree. I thought this was great. And I thought it was really hysterical how, for once, the husbands came and handled everything. I know. I know, right? And that seemed to be the magic trick. Yeah, it absolutely was, and that was, I don't think that these women would have been able to resolve the issues by themselves, and I don't usually say that, but I really think we needed these men to step in here. <laughs> I would I would wholeheartedly agree. How about uh, poor Porter's character? I mean, they've really made him out to be kind of an idiot in this, in this season, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Between going to get the sugar and... <laughs> Being so easily manipulative, manipulated, it's just, it's kind of sad. I mean, especially because I, I know these brothers, these twin brothers, they go to my school, and um, they're really smart, sweet kids, and this is just not a, a good color for them. Why don't you have them come in and be on the show? Why don't you see if they can come in and be guests one night? I should, I should check on that. I'll see what I can do. Yeah, bring them in. I, I, it must be fun for, for them to play these characters. And I, I think it would be great to play opposite Susan Delfino and Lynette Scavo. I mean, Terry Hatcher and Felicity Huffman, I think they're so phenomenal in these roles. And I love that even though they have years of friendship and memories together, <laughs> they still end up having these fights. The The whole bassinet altercation on the front lawn where Susan ends up just falling on her ass and hurting herself, that was pretty dramatic comedy, I would say. Yeah, it was. And honestly, I thought that the bassinet was going to break right there. So did I. That, um, yes, so did I. I actually think it would have been funnier if it had. But, Ugh. you know, that's fine. <laughs> well, I you um, you said, I think, something that is so true, that Porter is so easily manipulated. And it's funny because Susan is manipulating him like crazy like crazy and of course we love her character she only wants the best for her grandchild for her daughter she thinks she's doing what's right and i still love her D despite the fact that what she's doing is a little shady it i i can totally see my own mother doing that i i've talked about before how lynette is very hands-off and they actually called <laughs> susan called lynette hands-off grandma do you remember that yeah, and she called, and uh, Lynette calls Susan Pushy Grandma. I love that. I think that's hilarious. My mom, Pushy Grandma. My mom would be the one who is, oh, no, we can do this. Oh, why are you doing that? Oh, how many hours of TV have the girls been watching? Oh, this. I, I see, I was just with my mom last weekend in Salt Lake, and I, I see this with my mom and her grandchildren all the time. It's hilarious. 
Lynette, I think it's so funny how how on the surface she comes off as being so anti-kid. Like she just can't wait till her kids are out of the house. Yeah, and then they go out of the house and she she doesn't really know what to do with herself. Yeah, and that and that was surprising to me. I I was expecting that we would see Lynette as we have in past episodes go running or go do yoga and enjoy her time away from the kids, but but it it's apparent how how missed um you know she she needs to be needed and how having the kids not around was kind of a problem for her. How are we going to work out this Lynette Tom thing? Oh, good question. There was that moment in in the episode where she said, "Ooh, if we weren't separated, oh, the thing I would do with you." Yeah, exactly. And there was that there was just enough of a beat where we saw a sort of sheepish look on Lynette's face after she said that. Almost she yeah. she looked kind of embarrassed and, and put um, her head down. Yeah, Tom kind of gave the like sexy look back and they had a moment there for sure. But even though we haven't seen Jane, Tom's girlfriend, in a while, Clearly, things must be going well for them because if Tom is taking the kids and he's also taking the baby, how old is their baby? Maybe a year and a half, two years old? And yeah. And um, Jane Paige. is babysitting them. Paige, yeah, exactly. If Jane is babysitting Paige, uh, that that only means that their relationship is going well, right? I mean, maybe maybe we won't see Tom and Lynette get back together. But I thought we knew they would. I thought that was part of something we knew for sure oh my god i'll freak out you know don't freak out roxy because people have people are the the good thing about it is they are whether they're back together or not at least they're getting along and they're they're communicating again and they're understanding each other. The fact that Tom would show up and say, hey, you took the kids when I was on vacation. It's my turn to take the kids now. I think that shows that their relationship, whether that's a friendship or whatever in the future, their relationship, whatever it is, is getting to a healthier place. Well, because I probably won't be able to stick around for predictions, I want to say that I do predict they will get back together. Um, I don't think they would be throwing in these great moments between them and also having us see a little flirtation if they were going to not let us see them back in full force well, you know by what? the last episode. Can I keep you for two more minutes? What time do you have to jump off this, Roxy? Because we can, we've yeah, already... Yeah, I do. I can stay for two more minutes. I'm in between classes, me being my college student self. So I can stay for two more minutes. Um so lay it on me. What, what you're, have we got left? You're a rock star. I know how tough it is to work and, and go to school. I did it for years, and it'll all work out. It'll all work out. Um, we've already been talking about predictions a little bit, and since we've already talked about the women... Um, now, you're after Buzz Predictions. And since we've already been uh, been talking about these, let's just continue on, and then you can jump off, and we'll wrap up this episode, because I think we've got it pretty much covered. Yeah. We'll yeah, we, I think so. Okay, so we'll we'll uh, we'll do no commercial break, but let's just jump right in. So you think Tom and Lynette will be back together? What do you think is going to happen with Renee and Ben? Do you think they're going to have a chance to see their relationship uh, flourish before one of them gets murdered by the mafia? I was going to say, as long as neither of them get killed off, I think they'll be okay. I think it's a little quick for Renee to trust Ben again so much, but 
what can you do? I think they will make a good couple as long as no nothing happens like what happened before where he tried to convince her to marry him so soon. Okay, and you think that, that Mike will survive the mafia, he and Susan will continue on. What do you think about this whole baby thing? Because even though the nursery was prepped and painted and all of that with Susan and Porter, I am still not totally convinced that, we're going to go down this road. I, I think that Julie may end up be successful in giving up this baby for adoption. I really hope we don't go down this road. Porter can't take care of himself. Uh, how can he take care of this baby? And I really don't want it all falling on Susan. I, hopefully you'll see that. Maybe what will happen is Lynette will give Porter her kid for the week and he'll realize he really can't be a father or something. Okay, and lastly, before you jump off the line, Orson and Bree. Will Bree end up behind bars for the rest of her days? Um, that I don't know about. And if she does, will she take the other ladies down with her? I'm really not sure. But um, the other prediction that I want to talk about was Gabby and Carlos hearing Juanita on top of the roof. Oh, my gosh. I know. What was that about? I really don't know. And, and her screaming, Mommy, Mommy, so... I guess we've got a big episode next week, too. Well, maybe that's the death on the lane. But, oh, my gosh, to, to kill a 10-year-old, that just seems wrong. Oh, I can't even imagine, especially when Juanita is so clearly the favorite child. <laughs> well, why don't we... uh ra- the other one. <laughs> Well, next week, um, our schedule is going to be off a little bit as well, but don't worry. There will be a podcast. It'll probably happen on Monday or or perhaps even Tuesday, but we will definitely be here for you somehow. Roxy, I think you might not be around next week because you're going to be uh, in Mexico, right? I will be in Mexico, so hopefully I'll come back tan and, and happy. <laughs> awesome. We'll have a fantastic trip. We'll let you go now, and uh, we'll say goodbye to all the rest of you. Thanks so much for tuning in. In the meantime, remember, you can always find us at AfterBuzzTV.com. You can find the podcasts on YouTube. You can find them on iTunes. And any feedback you have, please send us a note. Uh, Roxy Stryer. Derek Shore, or you can you can Twitter write tweet right at AfterBuzz TV, and we'd love to talk about your comments on the air. So send them anytime. We love hearing from you. And uh, thanks again for tuning in, Roxy. Thanks for being yeah. on the line. Thanks for being on the line. We'll let you go. And uh, of course, bye guys. Take it easy, and we will see all the rest of you very soon. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later, everybody. Thanks. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.